Happy holiday weekend to everybody. I hope that if you are traveling, that everything has gone well in your journey here to uh, be in Chattanooga for uh, the 4th. Uh, if you are about to travel, please be safe and uh, take care. And we look forward when you come back, a big uh, vacation time. A lot of people are on the roads, and so please be careful. Be careful with that. Um, people have already been asking, what did you do this time? Uh, to be honest with you, I miss the sympathy. You know, uh, people were so kind and so nice. It was about eight weeks ago that uh, I had a little accident on the softball field. I ran into uh, another player and we collided and I got the worst of it and ended up breaking uh, my radius and chipping my ulna. Uh, the, the other guy, I know you're concerned about him, nothing happened to him. He was fine. Uh, only I found out that the next week he fell off of his four-wheeler and broke his ankle. Now, don't say all, because when I was in the emergency room, I wasn't praying for that. I was just asking for flies. I thought flies would be good. Maybe um, frogs. I don't know. Just some kind of plague to go upon the young man. But I did feel bad that he broke his ankle. That is really, I uh, did not want that to happen. And so I was healing and things weren't necessarily going that well. And so I've heard about how great surgery is. And so I thought, why don't I um, try that? So anyway, I had surgery this last week, and supposedly this is all going to be fixed up again, but um, I'm, you're going to have to deal with me uh, in a cast again for a little while, and I uh, appreciate your patience with that. So that being said, I cannot be held responsible for anything that I say this morning, uh, because since about, oh, I don't know, uh, four o'clock uh, Thursday evening, I've been on heavy painkillers, and I know, I know what I'm planning on saying. Uh, but I might have to go and, and look back later on and watch, and watch the video. Um, Johnny Robertson asked me when he found out I was going to be having surgery, he said, now, are you planning on preaching Sunday? And I said, I think I can do it. I, I said, when I broke my arm before, I broke it on Thursday, preached on Sunday. So I'll have surgery on Sunday, or Thursday, preach on Sunday. I said, I think I can do this. He said, yeah, but you don't remember that sermon, do you? <laughs> and... I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you, but you might want to go back and watch that. You know, you, I'm sure in your mind you think, boy, everything, you just knocked it out of the park and it was great. And <laughs> so I will, um, I'll go back and watch uh, this one. Maybe we'll, be able to, uh, maybe we'll be able to get through it. We're in Philippians, if you'd like to open your Bible there. Philippians, because we are on the countdown, and the countdown is for uh, what I've called my favorite Sunday. And if you've been here for any length of time with us at East Brainerd, you know that my favorite Sunday is Vacation Bible School Sunday. And Vacation Bible School Sunday is two weeks from today. So the countdown is on. And our children's ministry and all of the children's ministry helpers are feverishly working to make sure that our Vacation Bible School is going to be a fantastic event. So if you have little kiddos, if you know of some, if you just see some walking along the side of the road and want to pick up in a couple of weeks, pick them up and bring them to Vacation Bible School. It's a great time. And so we'll kick that off in two weeks. And so to get ready for that, I thought it'd be great to go through a little study of Philippians because it is just drenched with the idea of rejoicing and joy. And when I think about Vacation Bible School, I just can't get away from the idea that kids are excited about Vacation Bible School. I mean, if you haven't been to Bible School in a long time, come this year and just watch the children and watch the excitement on their faces 
and, and watch how that they interact with one another and, and watch the way in which they just cannot get enough of the whole event. And then come to church the next Sunday and look around at some of the people that haven't been to Bible school in a long time, right? We forget because we get older and we forget about the joy that we're supposed to have. But not only do we forget about the joy, there are so many joy stealers that are out there. And so that's what we started talking about last week. We looked at the joy stealer that is just navigating life and trying to figure out which do I do? Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I take this job? Do I not? Do I, do I move? Do I sit still? Do I go through this open door? Do I, do I wait for a window to open? And, and so we looked through Philippians chapter 1 and we saw where the Apostle Paul said, you know what, I'm torn. More, more specifically, he says, I am in between two ideas. He says, on one hand, I want to stay here and be with you. And on the other hand, he says, I want to go and be with the Lord. In the end, he says he knew what would happen, that he would stay because it was more beneficial for the Philippians to have him present. And we said that when it comes to trying to make decisions, when it comes to trying to decide what is it that we need to do, that self needs to be put on the background. And instead, we need to make sure we ask the question, what is it that God desires? What is it that is most important to him? And so we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2 this week, and we're just going to, to spend some time walking through it. And, and chapter 2 is going to speak specifically to the relationship that the Philippians had with each other. Now remember that we spoke last week how that this church began with a very hodgepodge group of people. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. Paul goes into Philippi and he meets Lydia down by the waterside and he has a conversation with her, explains to her the message of Jesus Christ. She is baptized along with her household. Lydia is a woman of great means. She has her own uh, living space. She has her own business, it appears. And so this group of disciples, new followers of Jesus, starts with Lydia and those who are a part of her household. It expands into a slave girl who Paul and Silas free of some type of demon that was within her and then goes on and the church continues to grow as is added a jailer who after Paul and Silas were thrown in prison for healing that slave girl you might remember the jail doors are opened up the jailer is about to kill himself he's afraid that everyone has left he then finds that Paul and Silas are still there singing until midnight and he says what do I need to do and you see again where he and his household they were baptized after hearing the message of Jesus Christ. And so you have this fashionista, this, this woman of means, this slave girl who had not known her real identity, and this hard, crusty soldier and their families coming together to be the Philippi, the Philippi Church of Christ. Hodgepodge group of people. And yet Paul would write in chapter 1 and he would say, I thank my God every time I remember you. Maybe he laughed as he thought about the different backgrounds. Maybe he laughed as he thought about how that they just didn't mesh and how he thought about others who when they would hear about the change that had taken place in Lydia's life, in the jailer's life, how they would be amazed. Maybe he wondered what was taking place right now and how, how the life of the slave girl had changed. And how her identity was different. Maybe he wondered if the soldiers still told the same jokes. Maybe he wondered if Lydia still had the same priorities or if they had changed. But he had a love in his heart for them. 
And at the end of chapter 1, he says in verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together, he says, as one. For the faith of the gospel. And so he goes into what we know as chapter 2. They just knew it as the next section of the letter. He starts talking to them about how, how they're going to get along with each other. And how they're going to survive as disciples in this new community. And I thought, wow, how appropriate is it to talk about how to get along when we're here on the July 4th weekend during an election season? And it seems like that we live in a country that is continually being divided into more and more halves and pieces. Have you gotten that feeling? Have you understood yet how that the culture and society wants to divide us more and more based on where we live or how old we are or what our background is or the color of our skin or where our country of origin is or sexual orientations or, or preferences. Normally, this is how it looks, right? It's blue versus red. And we see maps all the time on television, especially now during this election cycle, which states are blue and which states are red and, and what, does it, what does it all mean? And have you noticed that people seem to be becoming more and more hostile? Have you noticed that individuals seem to be becoming more and more belligerent? Have you seen this breakout at church recently? I hope not. Hope it's all been all right. But yeah, imagine this happening right in the middle of services. Right in the middle of communion. Right in the middle of how great thou art. And all of a sudden, we have some kind of brawl bake out about the, I don't know, halfway back or so. It seems like that's just what is going on, though, in our society. That there's always arguing that's taking place. And there's bickering going back and forth. And it's as if we can't get along just like cats and dogs. But I've got good news for you. Cats and dogs can get along. I showed a video hey, last hey, week to talk about the enjoyment huh? of went to the pet store animals. Today. I want you to watch oh, this one. Hey. Yep, I did. Well, come on. Let's go. Well, I want to see Hang it. on. Keep your collar on. Huh? You wanted a girl? Yeah. A tabby? Yeah. That's right. Oh, I can't believe it. Got me a... Uh, where is she? Is, is she out here? Wait, 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 wait. You didn't let me finish. Okay. So I went into the pet store um, and I looked at the snakes. Snakes? Oh, bleh. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna just go over... Well, I didn't get one. Oh. Okay. Um. No, no. Then I went and I took a look around, right? Hmm. I looked at the uh, the guinea pigs. You know what guinea pigs are, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, I looked at the mice. Yep. Gerbils. Yep. Parrots. Yep. Newts. Yep. Hamsters. Yep. Kittens. Yep. Oh, oh, that's it. That's where you stop because that's what you're <laughs> gonna get me. Uh, then the hermit hey. crabs. Oh, come on. Okay, you, you calm down. You're getting me a kitten. Or I'm gonna chew this couch's arms right off. I will. Oh, you will. Now tell me what's going well, on. The pet store. Yep. Saw the turtles. And, oh, come on. <laughs> what was that? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. You listen. Yeah. Went to the pet store. Yes. There were shelter kittens, yeah. so I picked one up. Oh, no way! You killed me again! <laughs> what does she look like? What does she look like? You want to go see her? Um, okay. Yes, yeah! Let's go. Let's go! Who says dogs and cats don't get along, right? 
Oh, you grew up saying that me and my brother, me and my sister, we fought like cats and dogs. Hey, let me tell you, cats and dogs can survive. And we need to know that church people can survive also. Philippians chapter 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Paul says, listen, what I'm about to tell you will fill me with joy. See, oftentimes we think about joy being something that just I have personally. We don't oftentimes think about it as something that can be shared with others because they see something taking place and they in turn receive joy. We think that joy is just all about me personally, but what if there's something that you and I can do that can give joy to others? He says, listen, you're going to make my joy complete and here's how it's going to happen. He says, by being like-minded. And the way in which this sentence is written in the original language This idea of being like-minded is going to be defined by the next three elements. So he says being like-minded, but he doesn't leave it to wonder, well, what does he mean by being like-minded? So let's debate this and let's talk about what what does Paul mean? We need to be like-minded. We need to be like-minded on this issue and that issue. No, no, no. Paul's going to tell you. So keep reading. Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He says, if you will do these three things, if you'll be like-minded in this way, he says, then you will make my joy complete. If you will have the same love. Have you known situations where people, they loved one group and then they didn't love another? Have you been in situations where people loved one person but not another person? Have you seen it where there were favorites that were played? I think for all of those, you can say, sure, it happens happens all the time. Maybe you've seen it in your family. Maybe you've seen it on the job. You've seen it at at school. You've seen it around sporting events. You've seen it in all types of different areas in your life. Let me tell you the one place that Paul says you're not supposed to see it in the church. He says there are no favorites. Later on, you read through Scripture and you find the reason why there should not be favoritism played out in the church. Read through James, he'll talk about how that you're not supposed to look at a person and see, try to figure out who's got more money and who has less and treat people in a different way. You find out because God is no respecter of persons. And because God doesn't play favorites, his children can't. He says, you have the same love. So you give the same love to the white Christian that you give to the black Christian. And you give the same love to the Latino Christian as you do to the African Christian. And you give to the same love to the African Christian that you give to the European Christian and on and on. And and you pick up whatever kind of background that you want to name in there. And the idea is you give the same love. The same. Same love. That's one of the hard things, though. Because we come into this world playing favorites. We start with playing the favorite of ourselves. We're very selfish individuals, and we like to do things our way, and and we like to be taken care of, and and we just like what what we like. And it's hard for us sometimes to expand our circle. 
And at the beginning, we first expand our circle to those who will do things for us. Think about small children. Who do they reach out to the most? Mom, right? Why do they reach out to mama? Because she's a drive-through window, right? Anything they need, the child can get. And so they reach out for mama because they know that mama's going to give. Mama's going to give love and mama's going to give food and mama's going to give hugs and mama's going to kiss boo-boos. And initially, that circle only expands to those who are willing to do something for the child. Now, as we get older, hopefully that begins to change and we begin to expand our circle to include not just those that do things for us, but include those that don't even care for us, those that we can do things for. But if we're not careful, we fall into that trap that we might grow in age, but we never grow in spiritual maturation. And so even though we are older, we are still individuals that say, I will only love those who love me. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, will say, what good is it for you? To do good to those that will do good for you. Don't, he says, don't the pagans do that? He says, you instead, you love your enemies. And you do good to those who persecute you. Paul writes and says, listen, you're going to fill me with so much joy if you will be like-minded. And if Lydia, if you'll have the same love for the slave girl as you do for the wife of the jailer. And jailer, if you will have the same love for Lydia as you do for your own wife, if you'll have the same love for the slave girl as you do for your own children, if you'll be like-minded having the same love because within the church community, within Christ's body, there is no room for favoritism. There is no room for playing games with color. There is no room for playing games with background. There is no room for playing games with socioeconomic status because everyone is equal at the foot of the cross. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so he writes and says, be like-minded and have the same love. Being, it says, one in spirit. Literally, it says being soul with soul. Think about that connection. Think about the connection that you are so connected to the other person that you don't know where your soul ends and where another begins. Now, where do we hear this language used the most? That idea of being soul to soul and being one. Where do we hear that? In marriage, right? We think about being one flesh. We think about having your soulmate. We use those kind of terms. And yet here, there is the same imagery used when talking about the relationship that brothers and sisters in Christ are to have with one another. That we should be soul to soul. That we should be so close that we don't know when one stops and where the other ends. Sadly, church has become something that we can just file into and file out of. It's very easy to come and to have a seat and to sit on the front pew or the back pew or anywhere in the middle. And as soon as we say amen, file out any one of our number of doors. We've got so many escape hatches around this place. It's crazy. And if you want to escape, you can. And if you don't want to be really connected to the body here, you don't have to be. And you can leave and you can go on your way and you can come every once in a while and you can sit and, and you can worship. But you will never be soul with soul. You won't have that. I remember our first house. We lived in a um, community there just outside of Gadsden. And our house was relatively new there in that community. And they started building one right beside us. 
And as they were building, they had this huge thing of bricks that they would leave as they were finishing up the foundation. And this big pile of bricks just over time started dwindling away. Because somebody during the night started coming and realizing, you know what, I can get some bricks. Because apparently people needed bricks. There was a great brick market. I didn't know that. Underground brick market. And people would come and they would steal bricks. And over time, that big pile of bricks beside that house would get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. You know the crazy thing? Nobody ever came to my knowledge and took a brick from the foundation of that house they were building. They didn't. There were no chisel marks in it. There was nowhere where I woke up during the night and I found people with a lantern on their, on their helmet and they were down on their knees and they were they're banging on that foundation and trying to pull out bricks. Never saw that happen. But over time, that pile of bricks got less and less. You know why? It's simple to take a brick that's just piled up on another stack of bricks. It's a lot harder to get one that's a part of the foundation. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk with God, but I can promise you this. If you are not soul with soul with the body of Christ, it is a lot easier for Satan to come and to pick you off the pile. Those of you who are still in school, those of you who are in college, listen. You go off and you're trying to decide, do I get involved in a church home? Do I get plugged in somewhere? Maybe you moved. Maybe you're new to Chattanooga and you're trying to decide, do I really need to get plugged into a church home or not? And the answer is, yes, you do. Don't just go and pile up with a lot of other Christians and just be a brick on top of another brick because it is so easy then for temptation for Satan to come and take you away. Instead, you go and you be mortared in with the foundation with the body of Christ. That's why we encourage members here or individuals that come and we say, would you like to be a part of our church family? Would you like to be considered a part of this body? We want to know who you are and we want you to be a part of our ministries. We want you to be plugged in in Bible classes. We want to connect you with a small group because we do not want you to stand alone. We want you to be soul with soul with the body. He then says, and be of one mind, literally thinking the one thing. Thinking the one thing. You read through and you see the writings of Paul and you can't help but escape the fact that his one thing was Jesus Christ and him crucified. He told that to the Corinthians church, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, I came not with any kind of excellence of wisdom or knowledge. I came knowing only one thing in your midst and that was Jesus Christ. And he writes to the Philippians. He says, listen, I want you to be like-minded. I want you to think only the one thing. I want you to have Jesus Christ as your focus. And the reason that I know that he was referring here to Jesus is because now he continues and he's going to tell them, listen, you treat one another the way that I have taught you that Jesus Christ would treat one another. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He says, listen, you let the one thing be the one thing. Don't let it be all about you. Don't let it be all about your life and about your needs and about your wants. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I love sharing this passage of Scripture with newlyweds and talking to these individuals who are about to be husband and wife or maybe they have just shared their vows with one another and saying, remember, it's not just about you. Instead, you look at your spouse's interest. You look at your husband's needs. 
And you place value on them just like you would yourself. But specifically, he's writing here about Christians. About Christians who are doing life together and who are worshiping together and who are teaching Bible class together and who are involved in ministries together and they're going on mission trips together and they're sitting side by side and sharing communion together. And he's saying, listen, you be humble with one another and you value the person that's sitting next to you. You value their interest more than you value your own interest. And you seek out what the other person's interests are. Don't just assume But you're going to be so close with them because you're going to be soul with soul. And you're going to know what lifts their spirits. You're going to know what brings them joy. You're going to know what brings them peace. You're going to know what brings them sadness because you're so close. And their interests are now going to be your interest. And in your relationships with one another, you will have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, these things that are listed here at the beginning of chapter 2, in the original language that Paul writes, he does so in what's called a present tense. And it means that there's continual action. So this wasn't just something that they were to do on the day that they read the letter. It was something they were to do each and every time they were in each other's presence. And unlike so many of us that only see each other on the weekends, they had to see each other all the time. I mean, think about it. What if you had to work with every single person in here? What if you saw every single person in here every single day? What if you were always at the same ball games? And what if you were always at the same restaurants? And what if you were always in each other's presence? You think we get on each other's nerves now. Just think about how it would be then, right? Wow. And so he writes and he says, listen, you don't have to fight like cats and dogs. You can have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Literally, it says there that he emptied himself. If you look down at your glory, praise, and honor, you'll see that it says, enjoy when nothing remains. You see, when nothing remains of yourself, you have the same love. When nothing remains of yourself, you are one in spirit. When nothing remains of yourself, you are one in mind. When nothing remains of yourself, you are like-minded. You don't do things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, you do value others above yourselves because you've emptied yourself and nothing remains. Think about what it took for Jesus to do that. Think about how he was willing to give up his own rights in order to be the sacrifice of God. How it says here that he was in the very nature God, but did not consider equality with God something to be held to or used to his own advantage, and yet he had the right to. He had the right here in this life to claim the status of God, and yet he did not. He had the right not to go to the cross. He had the right to demand worship. He had the right to do whatever it is that he wanted to do. It says, but rather he made himself nothing And maybe as we look at our lives and we think, how can we have more joy within our church family? How can we have more joy out in the community when they hear about us? Maybe as if we become known as a place that has all given up our rights. Now that's a difficult thing to talk about Fourth of July weekend because we are a people of rights. And we are a people who celebrate the rights that we have. And we're blessed to live in a country that have given us so many rights. But you understand that in Christ you have no rights. Because you have died and Christ now lives through you. And so, I can't demand my way. 
I can't put down my foot. I can't say, I've got to have it like Burger King, my way. Because I've emptied myself, and I've made myself nothing, and I've been told to give up my rights. It says that he took on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and he was found in the appearance as a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on a cross. You understand that Christ became what he was not, right? Paul would write to the church in Corinth. He would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. If you struggle with any of these areas that we were looking at this morning, this idea of being soul to soul with others in Christ, with thinking the one thing, with being like-minded, with thinking about other people's interest, then maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, make me what I'm not right now. Just as Jesus became what he was not, make me what I am not. Maybe if I am prideful, Lord, you need to make me more humble. And Lord, if I refuse to if I refuse to give over self, Lord, can you, can you make me more selfless? Because that's what we see taking place in the life of Jesus. And it says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, when, when God's people live like God's Son, then joy is experienced by the community around them. And God is praised because the community sees God's people living as God's Son and recognize this is not how we normally live because we normally live Republican and Democrat. We live black and white. We live English, Spanish. We live with all of these different um, denominations and sections and all of these different ways in which we are divided. And yet, when the world looks at the body of Christ, they should see one and they should see whole and they should see unity. And in doing so, God ends up being praised. And yet, church can be such a joy stealer. And so, one final thing that Paul writes... He says in verse 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Can't you see that Philippian jailer as he reads that? I guess he's talking to Lydia there. He knows it's not about him. Can't be. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. The word grumbling there comes from a word that means to lodge. It means that you just sit down and put down tent stakes and you gently fold your arms and you're not moving. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. That's what he says here. Do everything without lodging, without grumbling or arguing. He says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Now, oftentimes we read this particular passage and we talk about shining like stars and we talk about it in the context of shining in the context of a dark community, in a dark world. But here's the interesting thing. Paul here makes reference to a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 5, where it talks about being 
with those who are wicked and with fault and they're a warped and crooked generation. But it's referring there to God's people who have broke faith with their creator. In Deuteronomy, it's not referring to the community at large. It's not referring to those who aren't disciples. It's not talking about those who are pagans that don't acknowledge God. Those who are faultful, warped, and in a crooked generation are God's people in the original context in Deuteronomy. And so he writes and says, listen, if you will not lodge and not grumble, if you will stop all your arguing, then you will become blameless and pure children of God, and you will shine like stars in the community of believers. Now tell me that is not something that is needed to be heard within a church community today. Do you know why there's a church on every corner? It's because for years and centuries, people who claimed to be disciples grumbled and argued and refused to get along. And so they separated. And Paul says, if you will be different, then you will shine like stars in the midst of God's people. So, so you hear somebody that grumbles and wants to complain and argue. Instead of joining in with them and instead of being a part of the pity party that maybe somebody is having, you look at that person and say, you know what? That's not the right attitude that we're supposed to have. And if you do have a problem with a brother or sister, why don't you go and talk with them about it and, and follow through with what, what Jesus says to do when you have a, a fault with your brother or a fault with your sister. And can I say, by the way, that if you do have issues with different things that go on here at church, the correct way to go about it is not to write something down on the back of a glory, praise, and honor and tear it off and put it in the collection basket because we throw those away. Just saying. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Paul wanted Lydia and he wanted that jailer and he wanted that slave girl and he wanted their families. And he wanted all those who had come to Christ since he had been there with them. He wanted them to be like-minded. He wanted them to be one in spirit. He wanted them to be, have the same love, to be of one mind. He wanted to receive joy when he heard reports from that church. And friends, I want to close by saying that I truly believe that our God desires the same thing. Our God desires to receive joy as he hears what takes place at the East Brainerd Church of Christ. And so our continued prayer is that we would be people who are soul with soul. That we are of one love. That we are of one mind. That we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But that in humility we consider one another's needs above the others. That we do not separate ourselves red or blue or black or white or English or Hispanic or whatever else way that the world might like to separate us. But instead, together, we are one in the blood of Jesus Christ because he is our Savior and we are his children. Can we pray about this together?
Father, we thank you for bringing us together today. We thank you for the words that Paul wrote so long ago and for the way in which he encouraged that church. And we want to enjoy the blessings of his writings. So I pray that we would be filled with the mind of Christ, that we would be willing to become those things that we are not, that we would be willing to give up our own personal rights so that nothing of ourself remains. And when nothing remains, that we truly can be filled with the joy of our Lord. And Father, may that joy spread not only through the walls here at this place, but throughout this community. That others may hear of the joy that we have, the love that is shared here, and the concern that we have one for another. And they may praise the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to sing to encourage one another. And if you'd like to become a Christian this morning, being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we encourage you to do so. If you'd like to come this morning because let's maybe need to be honest and say, you know what? I argue. I complain. I'm selfish. I need to repent. We encourage you to do so. Maybe you'd like to come saying, I would just like some more joy in my life. You've been thinking about the lesson we had last week and you've been trying to decide which direction it is that you need to go in and you would like for us to pray that you would make the best decision possible, a decision that would honor God. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come as together we stand and sing together.